0: Men of honor, strength, and integrity have long been essential in society. The Honorable Man Podcast is a celebration of such men. Here, we will discuss men in history and those today that exemplify what it means to be an honorable man. Let's go. All right, let's go. I am Ed Jones and welcome to the Honorable Man Podcast, a podcast dedicated to men who've chosen the path of honor, strength, and integrity. If you're looking to become a better man, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Baron, Mr. Tim Hickey. Happy holidays. Mr. Hickey, how are you today?
1: Doing good, brother. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. So, um, everybody healthy? Everybody good? Healthy is questionable. Everybody's doing good, though. As everybody knows, this Omicron common cold variant the is cron. out there. And, um, but everybody survives somehow, and um, we're all good to go. How about you, Producer Bill? How Producer are you doing over there? Bill.
2: I uh, what did I say to you guys the other day, um fit as a fiddle I'm matter than a baptist in a brothel?
1: <laughs> Bill is doing a okay. Hey, I did I did get to um bring Bill into one of my Facebook discussions earlier because you know a- as these variants are launched upon us, um a lot of people are like, Hey, the vaccine it could have been so much worse. I'm like, holy shit, I actually one of my closest friends is um in a risk category unvaccinated he did not have these things the bottom line is you can never know that the vaccine it would have been so much worse like you literally cannot know that i have a dude sitting across from me that in every aspect should have Taking a vaccine, but somehow is still breathing next to me. I don't know how that works.
2: Well, I I will tell you. You know, so not only am I legally blind, but I've had a kidney transplant. I'm diabetic. All the the trigger things that one.
0: Should. So you won the health lottery is what you're saying. Oh, yeah. My, my, my parents knocked. They hit a grand slam with a genetic
1: pool with me. Ladies, but he's no longer signal. Yes, I'm Signals. off the mark Signal, yes. But oh, sorry. Not,
2: <laughs> nonetheless, uh, pray for her. Um, <laughs> but nonetheless, um, yeah, I, I did actually get COVID in the autumn. And what I did was
0: I took. That would uh, be fall to our northern
2: listeners. <laughs> yes. What I did was I, I took some of that uh, Joe Rogan horse paste Ooh, and uh, a bunch
1: of. Uh, Radio at it.
2: Yes, a bunch of
1: <laughs> vitamins and I am I'm, I'm here and Bill is still here. We're friend. all still here. Um we're all still healthy. Uh scary moment. I lost my voice for about half a day. That was not cool. Anybody knows Tim
0: knows that there are few things that terrify him more than losing <laughs> my the voice. power. You of will speech. never
1: silence me. <laughs> where did you Where did you lose it at? Oh man, I don't know. I think that was <laughs> I, Hillary I Clinton awesome. that did a direct attack on at me, but I'm back. Dark and we're good to go.
0: We have two guests with us today that aren't normally here. We have uh, Ben and Shandy, uh, two four legged friends that are walking around the podcast studio. So you might hear them on occasion. They have a lot of things to say, so we'll see how that
1: Oh, they're they're patriots. Let me tell you something. Hey, they, I think Ben drooled on me that is nothing that another Marine has never done. So well
2: <laughs> praise the Lord and pass the ammo there or the go.
1: saliva. Hey, there
0: we're go. good
2: to go. All right, so I'm gonna do some
0: I'm gonna do some inside baseball real quick. We we uh, we record on Monday uh typically um and we have not recorded in a couple weeks and that's not just because of the holidays. My daughter goes to a local school here and there was a recent threat posed to that school on social media. I guess some kid had said something about shooting up the school or whatever. They canceled school and they canceled the Friday before Christmas, band concert, Christmas pageant, whatever you want to call it. They moved it to Monday, so we weren't able to record on Monday. I went and watched that uh, concert. It was fantastic, by the way. My daughter is first chair in the flute. She's fantastic. But what are we going to do about these threats, these these kids that's... Our, listen, we were all young men. We're dumber than the Boxer Rocks now. We were significantly dumber then. <laughs> what are we going to do about these kids that are constantly wanting to get out of class, have a long weekend, et cetera, and are calling in these bomb threats or or potential school shootings? And um, I have my ideas for for what we what we're going to do, but I'd like to I'd like to get input from Bill and Tim. What What are your thoughts on on how, how do we? Because um, nine times out of ten, it's Ninety-nine times out of a hundred, it's not a credible threat. The kid's joking around. He doesn't even live in the school district. He just posted something on social. It made its way into a school district uh, Facebook page. Yada yada yada. What do we do about this, guys? What, what are your hey,
1: thoughts? Hey, so quick hits. Arm the teachers. Arm the administration. Either way, overall, I think that you know the first deterrent is always going to be um, arm these school teachers, arm the administrators. When you see that. Um, this administration is armed and this school is armed, that's a big deterrent, unlike the no-gun zones that we are faced with. I don't even know that you have to arm any teachers or
0: any administration, but have the option to and publish that, that this school district may have teachers that have their concealed carry permits and... Listen, we can go down the rabbit hole of what kind of training we're talking about. Should it be more stringent than a typical CCW, which I think it should be, obviously. Psychological evals. When I got my CCW, I didn't have to undergo any psychological eval. And I'm not a proponent of that by any stretch, but I think maybe for teachers it might make sense. These gun-free zones are fish in a barrel, and you get people looking to engage. People don't want to get shot back at. You never see NRA meetings getting shot up. You never see places that aren't gun-free zones getting shot up, if you allow any teacher or administrator, if you allow them the opportunity to receive this training and perhaps carry a a weapon with them, a handgun, in my opinion, you're going to reduce the risk in that particular school district, Bill.
2: I don't disagree with that. I think everything you're saying uh, certainly lines... With my personal philosophy, I know our first personal philosophies, but if that isn't the case, if if that is that people are so afraid of having teachers, whether they go through and i agree some additional training or psyche valve, whatever the case may be, specifically for that for no other CCw purpose, and then I would say keep that hidden as an element of surprise, if you will.
0: but I would also say if that's not the case, then have and pay for armed security guard. My school district does. There's there's okay. police officers in every school in my school district, and yet they still decided to to cancel school and to do whatever they, you know, they took the steps that they did. And listen, I agree, I, I, 100%, the welfare and safety of our children is paramount, it's job one. But in our particular school district, there is a, I think they call them resource officer, who is a, is a police officer in each and every of these schools. That wasn't enough for them to continue on with school that day and, and, the, and the subsequent uh, extracurricular activities. Now, in a lot of districts, you don't have the the means to provide a resource officer slash police officer in schools. That's where I lean to, hey, let's let's at least float the idea that our, our, our teachers may be armed. Again, you don't even have to arm them. It's the threat
2: right. of well, your teachers and how being armed. Even say with extracurricular activities, hey, if you have your CCW and you are a parent, you are welcome here. However, this is what's going on. If you don't feel comfortable, at least give the option, especially around the holidays. It's just such a cluster F of everything. It's a fine balance between standing up and being wise and with children it's always something more that i would say you want to caution on the size of being wise and being a little more precautious where, where if it's adults and you know hey whatever but i don't know i i'm, I'm not a parent but I am a CCW carrier, and I can tell you that statistically more shootings happen in quote unquote gun free zones. That's why I, and well as other people I know, carry no matter where they go and no matter what they're doing. So.
0: Yeah, 100%. I mean, short of a metal detector, most, most CCW licensed folks that I know carry their weapons
1: regardless. Well, and um, Ohio specifically has just passed constitutional carry where we no longer need to pay the state for a license if you are a true Second Amendment supporter and you've supported that for a long time like we shouldn't need to pay the government for the authorization to carry a gun but when we start to get into the nuts and bolts of that like it is a scary situation as I was telling Ed uh, earlier tonight like I never want to be seated next to somebody who has a gun that has no training I I'd rather sit next to you if you didn't have a gun at all than if you were armed with no training. So it does push more of the responsibility on the adults. Like, we can't just have school teachers with no training. We have to make sure that their training is the best training that we have out there. This is all a very unfortunate situation. You guys want to hear a very interesting gun statistic that I learned over the last few years. So if you look back to nine. 1994. I'll tell you guys, I was in high school in 1994. Do you guys feel more safe today from gun violence than you did in 1994? Does the media make you think that gun violence is much more prevalent? today than it was 25 years ago. Well, that, that that's two questions. No, I don't feel more safe today than I did in 1994, and it's largely due, in my opinion, to the media. You should absolutely feel much more safe now than you did in 1994. Really? If you look at the gun violence statistics from back in 1994, it was much more dangerous back then, and we did not have all these all overreaching gun control laws at the time. So when you really look at it, and I challenge everybody, go out and look at those statistics. It is much safer now in 2021, almost 2022, technically, than it was in 1994. But when you absorb the media and you hear all these narratives that are specifically targeting our Second Amendment rights— like, you're not gonna think that way.
0: Yeah, Tim, but I don't feel safer now, and that's all that matters is my feelings.
1: Well, your feelings Jesus, are important Joseph to me. Mary. Your feelings are important I to me, baby. You safe now. I will protect you. They're not important <laughs> to me. <laughs> See, no, I, I, It uh, is. And, and that's what we're at, uh, though. It, it's more feelings based on 100%. media narratives that have done repetitive conditioning overall. To chip away at our rights, and it's been consistent. We're seeing much more of an evolutionary effect on what they have put in place for so long. But seriously, go out and look at the gun statistics from '94 and shootings and all those things. And it was much more dangerous times when we were in high school than
2: well. I would say this: a armed society, by and large, statistically, is a safer society. Oh, absolutely. And I would encourage people this: that my purview, and I'm Shut my pie hole. You know, our founders were geniuses in that they gave us the first and then the second amendment. I think right now with this apex in history, utilization fully and understanding fully of of those two amendments specifically are going to help prolong the sovereignty of this nation and our individual freedoms. Well, so we're
0: seeing that in real time. I mean, you see what's no, happening absolutely. in Australia when they when they gave up their guns a couple years ago, and now they're with the COVID lockdowns. These these folks are they are under lock and key. And you know what's the old saying? An armed person is a citizen, an unarmed person is a subject. Yes, absolutely. We're
1: seeing that firsthand in Australia, and i Repeat this several times throughout our podcast time that the Constitution restricts the government. It does not restrict the citizen. It is designed the exact opposite of the way it's been interpreted for many years now. And I, I feel that, you know, it's a dumbing down of society and making us unaware of our history. But a lot of people think that the government has granted us some sort of Second Amendment rights. No, no, those came from our creator. Nobody should be able to question how you defend yourself. But let's circle this all back into the schools. Like the deterrent is more important at this point, where we have that deterrent and we have teachers with that ability to put down a threat if it pops up, and that's what we're really faced with. And when you look at these phone calls that have come in and shut down a local school for us, it's like it wasn't even phone calls; these were social media, social media which, posts, which which mean nothing yeah. to me. <laughs> it means nothing. nothing. Like, um, it's and garbage. if you're out there listening though, and you think that your social media posts have no effect on anything, like the anonymity from social media posts have been taken away a little bit. So we do have to make sure that you can't just go out there on social media and say you're gonna shoot up a school. Like, holy shit, you're gonna be held accountable. And this kid, at least the first one here locally, is being held to account, but holy cow, where are we at uh, on a society where now we're talking about having to instruct kids not to make a post on social media about shooting up well, even your worse? School? we
0: my uh, they're training our kids on what to do in an active, active shooter situation in our schools.
1: In our schools, this Absolutely. is ridiculous.
0: It's and,
2: well, it, well, what we need to realize now is that we are on the verge of two generations post Columbine, which now is the the AJ norm, that's not, you know, that's that's the rule, not oh, the gosh. exception. When all of us were going to school, I don't even remember if there were ever school shootings no. up at that point. Well, and I graduated only a, a couple years before Columbine. So we are now in a world that is way more sinister, way more cynical, and also way more
0: feckless. Well, there's a cup There's there, we could go down this rabbit hole. We'll right. do it. We'll do it on a different show. But by and large, these kids that are shooting up schools don't have a father in their lives. Well, They're that's... medicated. The FBI typically knows about them. There's a lot of things that are at play here that we will we will touch further down the road. We'll go down that rabbit hole down the road. Yeah, there's a lot of things going on, and that's why we started our social club, the Men of Honor Social Club. It's because there is a there is a gap of uh, there's there's a need for strong men out there to take the next generation of men under their wing. And teach them how to be men because that's missing in today's society.
1: Hey, and I, I do want to uh, make sure that. All of our listeners know that we don't speak on these things lightly. In Chardon, Ohio, we had a school shooting. It was a very much similar situation to Columbine, but this hits us all personally. But what we can never do is make sure that we take a knee and surrender the rights to self-defense just based on any political or any other action. So when we started this conversation, we were talking about those signs, and um, I'm a a big proponent against the the gun-free zone signs. It's like, hey, why don't you just say I'm a target. It's a fish 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 in a a barrel. But the opposite side that Ed brought up is, hey, put these signs up everywhere. Let people know that the teachers and staff may or may not be armed. Take your chances. Because with armed society... It's a civil society. And um, we, we need to get much farther than the way that the media portrays it. Not like I personally take things in the Second Amendment even further. Like I think that there should be mandatory carry from the head of household. And those things might be very controversial to some of the people that are listening. But when you are trained with a weapon, the weapon is not a threat, like you're the threat, and the weapon has never been the threat, it's in the hand of the holder, and whether you have good or evil behind that, that's up to the person that's holding it, but the weapon isn't the enemy, but let's make sure that the enemy is feared of our weapons. Yeah, I
0: mean, a handgun or a rifle are no different than a hammer, unfortunately they're more efficient when it comes to doing nefarious things, but they're just tools, they're just tools. So, circling back to today's quote Tim, what do you got for today? I think it ties in nicely. Come and take it. Molan labe. Molan labe.
1: That's Latin. Um, That is bad. For a come and take it. And dead language. We know there are um, obviously through my patch company and all the things we do through there and supporting the Second Amendment, come and take it. Like we all make sure that these things are on the forefront for us. But what's it mean when you say those words? Man, my wife, who uh, in the last three years has become a very strong. Proponent of the Second Amendment, she speaks out as a female in the Second Amendment community. Like She's learned all these things, but there is a very difficult situation and conversation that we had. At one point where I had to tell her, I'm like, you know, there is lines in the sand. These are not Obama lines in the sand that are not enforced, but a line in the sand for me is if somebody tries to come to my house and tell me that I can no longer defend myself how I see fit and that's a come and take it moment and it's a very dangerous situation and the gravity of it is lost on many but if we allowed somebody else to tell us how we should be defending ourselves, holy shit have we lost so many things that I fought for. We've lost so many things. It's not only for us, it's for our kids. And I'm never going to going to be prepared for my kids not to be able to grow up in these same freedoms and rights to Defense and rights to prosperity in all of your life that that I did not grow up in so
0: So come and take them famously was uh, uttered by Leonidas uh, King Leonidas of Sparta uh, When Xerxes told him to lay down his weapons at the Battle of Thermopylae this episode's honorable men in history honorable man in history is Leonidas Uh, Leonidas was king of the city-state of Sparta from about 490 B.C. until his death at the Battle of Thermopylae against the Persian army in 480 B.C. Although Leonidas lost his battle, his death at Thermopylae was seen as a heroic sacrifice because he sent most of his army away when he realized that the Persians had outmaneuvered him. 300 of his fellow Spartans stayed with him to fight and die. Almost everything that is known about Leonidas comes from the work of Greek historian Herodotus. So Leonidas was the third-born son of Anaxandrides, and as such he had to go to uh, military training in the Agoge. So Greece had hundreds of city-states and each one had a king. And the firstborn king didn't need to go through military training, he just stayed and was taught how to eventually become the successor to his father. So the Agoge was interesting. Uh, You went in at seven years old and you basically trained up until the time you were 20, 25. And everybody, every male in in, uh, Greece had military duty from the age of 20 to 45 approximately. So Leonidas was, was trained in the agoge, military, reading and writing, how to survive, all kinds of fundamental skills that would make him a good warrior. He eventually became king when his father died, and his father's eldest son, his half-brother, uh, Leonidas's half-brother, Cleomenes, died under, under violent and <laughs> slightly mysterious circumstances. <laughs> Cleomenes had not uh, produced a male heir, by the way, so, so Leonidas became king. So as king, he was a military leader as well as the the political leader for Sparta. Like, like I said, he had been trained militarily and f- and mentally, physically since childhood. Childhood to become a, a what they call a hoplite warrior. Hoplites were armed with a round shield, spear, and a short iron sword. In battle, they used a formation called the uh, phalanx, in which rows of these these hoplites stood directly next to each other, and then they used their shields to like overlap, and it almost formed like a tur- tortoise shell. Like with um, you would shoot arrows at them or whatever, they would form. Like a tortoise shell and deflect the arrows. If you came from the side or the rear, this formation became somewhat vulnerable. But typically, that wasn't an issue as as back then. Typically, you would square off um, head to head. So. Ancient Greece was made up of, of, like I said, several hundred city-states, of which Athens and uh, Sparta were the largest and most powerful. Although these many city-states vied with one another for control of land and resources, they also banded together whenever there was a threat. Twice at the beginning of the 5th century, Persia attempted to, to invade Greece. In 490, the Persian king Darius instigated an initial attempt in the First Persian War, but was, com- was turned back by the combined Greek forces, um, specifically at the Battle of Marathon. That's Iran for today's Yeah, people. right on. Isn't that yeah, crazy? That is I, I probably should have mentioned it. <laughs> Ten years later, during the Second Persian War, one of Darius's sons, Xerxes, launched an invasion against Greece. So under Xerxes, the Persian army moved south through Greece on the eastern coast, accompanied by the Persian navy, and it was like 1,200 ships, which is crazy when you think about... We're talking before Christ. They had over twelve hundred ships, and so to, to reach their destination of Attica, they had to go along the coast, and they always had sight. They always kept sight of their of the of the navy at the same time, um, so they could provide backup and reinforcements and, and those things. But to get where they wanted to go, all the way up to Athens, they had to go through the the coastal pass of Thermopylae, also known as the Hot Gates, because there were sulfur springs there, and it was it was hot um, with the springs. So in the late summer of four eighty, Leonidas led an army of six to seven thousand thousand Greeks from all these different city-states, including 300 of his own Spartans, in an attempt to prevent the Persians from passing through Thermopylae. So Leonidas took his army to Thermopylae and basically set up there and waited for the Persians to come. The Persians finally got there. For two days, the Greeks actually fought in this tiny, tiny little passageway and kicked back the Persians, who had, I think they were outnumbered seven, ten to one, something along those lines. So his his plan worked well at first, but he did or didn't know that there was a pass, uh, like a herder's pass that would they would um, come up behind him, and eventually, a traitor, a, a Greek guy, told Xerxes and his his folks how to go around the hot gates and come up behind Leonidas and and come up on his on his backside. And at that point, you know, it's all over but the shouting. <laughs> so, having knowing that they were outflanked. Leonidas sent everybody home except for like the 300 sp- Spartans some thespians and some Thebans who remained to fight with Leonidas at his side and they, they, he didn't ask them to stay they, they volunteered to stay knowing that this was a suicide mission and the more likely they were all going to be killed so that's what happened right um, being outflanked by a superior number uh, Leonidas the Spartans everybody that stayed with him were ultimately killed his body was taken by the Persians he was beheaded they did all kinds of crazy crazy stuff to his body but he exact a very, very high toll on Xerxes and the Persians, like thousands and thousands of Persians were killed at the Battle of Thermopylae. Leonidas' sacrifice, along with that of his, his Spartans and the Thebans and the Thespians, actually led to more of the city states of greece getting involved and honoring his sacrifice banding together and eventually expelling the persians from greece and and turning back xerxes and his tens of thousands of of uh, uh train fighters and uh greece survived so just a badass i'm sure most of you have seen 300 that, that's a fantastic this movie. This is spot. Right on, Frank Miller is a Frank Miller uh, graphic, graphic novel. novel that yeah. they turned into a uh, who's the who's the guy who's the star of that? Gerard Butler. Gerard Butler. Yeah, fantastic movie. Um, obviously, Hollywood Eyes bastardization, yeah. but uh, they get just, the main plots, the right. main right. right. You, you a know. lot of it's right because the, the Persians did have those immortals those highly trained assassins that, that you see depicted in the movie. And the Spartans were, you know, they trained in the agoge. All they had was a pair of shoes and a cloak, to, and they were, they were taught to withstand the, the extreme heats and, and colds of the, of the, the weather in Greece, uh, in Sparta. Um, they, they actually learned how to steal at a young age because they thought that stealing would help them. And, you know, when it came time to survive and those types of things. So, yeah, Leonidas, come and take them, Molon Labe. what he said to, to Xerxes, um, just, a, just a badass.
1: I do want to make clear for anybody listening overall, you ain't taking shit. I'm just going to throw that out there You're not not taking shit And many of us will make sure That we go to the grave Saying those same things You're not taking shit My rights and my right to bear arms Supersede the government completely So when anybody out there Is talking about common sense gun laws Like I don't recognize You as having the floor You ain't taking shit So I want to circle back on this Because I think it's fascinating So uh, just
0: reading from Wikipedia It was a rigorous education and training program mandated for all male Spartan citizens with the exception of the firstborn son in the ruling houses. The word agoge had various meanings in ancient Greek and comes from the verb to lead. So the education featured in the agoge involved cultivating loyalty to Sparta through military training, i.e. pain tolerance, hunting, dancing, singing, and social preparation communicating. It was divided into three age groups roughly corresponding to young children, adolescents, and young adults. Spartan girls did not participate in the agoge, although they may have received a similar state-sponsored education. I, I just think that's fast, fascinating. So, from yeah, seven to fourteen, ages fifteen to nineteen, and then from twenty to twenty-nine. Those were the three different distinct. Uh, training
1: uh, levels you know a country that hasn't gotten too far off of that that's surrounded by enemies right now absolutely it is israel and we used to talk about that when i was on active duty it's like the female israelis have as much training as our marines like and i'm not opposed to that like i'm of the school of everybody in this country that really believes in everything that we stand for should have some mandatory military doesn't south korea too south korea
0: i believe they have something for the males i
1: believe and i don't think that that's overall bad i think that we should all really believe in the things that we stand for here and be willing to stand up and fight for them and you know what they say constantly, a generation that is not taught the things that are important to us and the things that we grew up in believing is a generation that will never stand up for those ideals. And that gets into a very scary situation. We're not getting any younger. I worry about these future generations. And um, if you carry honor and the things with you that have been so important to the founding principles For our country that many of us still hold, like our age group still holds. I don't know that that's being passed along, but it it becomes more of a burden on us to make sure that we're educating our kids, our friends' kids, like if you don't have any. But the honor aspect of it is everything that our country was founded upon, and we need to make sure that we are continuing those ideals or nobody's going to stand up for it when we're old.
0: Yeah, yeah, fantastic. I mean... Leonidas gives us a great example of, you know, being being outnumbered 10 to 1, 20 to 1, whatever. The, I mean, some estimates have the Persians at a million, you know, and he's killing 10,000 on those first couple days, first couple days at the hot gates with with not, you know, roughly 6-7,000 of Greeks and you know they they fought and they died for what for what they believed in. So great stuff, great stuff on the uh, honorable man in history Leonidas. Tim, what do you got for shit hit the fan preparation?
1: So today's Shit Hit the Fan preparation is survival trapping for the non-trapper. This one's going to be a little bit more extensive. I think Uh, I'll try to keep it brief. So I want to make sure that I cover some of the most basic tips. So for years, the survival community has thought survival trapping was homemade deadfalls and single straight wire snares. Most people... In fact, about 90% of these people, me included, who have tried this method have only ended up in frustration. Deadfalls are extremely hard to master. Trapping and snaring is an art. You are trying to narrow down the animal world to just your set. At the beginning, any little mistake you make can and will End up in a miscatch. This is why we stress practice, practice, practice. I think that was Iverson that said, We talking about practice? practice. Talking about practice, man. Everything that you do is practice in trapping, snaring firearms anything that you do to have some sort of preparation for any shit hits the fan scenario all comes down to practice. So I'm going to cover the 10 basic tips for trapping. Number one, keep your traps and supplies clean. Clean traps are important, especially if you're targeting any sort of canines. And canines aren't just dogs. Those are Coyotes, wolves, things like that. Boil and dye your, ta- your traps. For best results, wear rubber boots and gloves when handling your traps or making the set. Scent control for trapping is a lot like hunting the more you're always aware of it the better luck you will have so make sure that when you're setting any traps out there for animals you're being cognizant of your human scent because it'll drive those animals away prepare before the season prepare your gear traps and equipment for the off season. do you need new trap tags do you need swivels stakes? or lure, take this time to scout new locations, obtain permission from landowners, and fine tune any traps that need adjustment. Number three on here is trap selection. Buy the best traps you can afford and pick a trap size and style that fits your targeted species. So traps are, you can make your own snare traps or you can buy one. We would always suggest buying something pre-made. Those always don't fall into what you need at the moment. So be cognizant of making your own traps. If properly cared for, traps will last a long time. If you can afford the added price, a well-made trap is worth the extra money, especially if you don't want to do any of the out-of-box modifications. Also, choosing a consistent brand will help you know your trap. Although most of us will acquire several different brands of traps over the years keeping it consistent will make things change a lot so make sure that you find the brand of traps that you like that are pre-made and you stick with them so number four set on sign look for tracks scat or hair if an animal has been there once chances are they'll be back once you locate those signs you know you're in the right area Number five, carefully check your traps. Check your traps by getting just close enough to see what's going on. This will keep your scent down. Don't mess with your traps once they are set, especially coyote sets. Check traps daily. Always check your traps at least once a day. If you know you're going to be busy and won't be able to check your traps for a couple of days, pull them until you have enough time to devote to your trap timeline. Make a map. Sure, it's easy to remember where you put three or four traps, but what about when your trap line grows? Making a map or marking the locations on a GPS will save you time and money. No one wants to lose a trap, especially when it's still set make sure you're setting multiple sets if you find a good location for canines again canines don't mean dogs those are coyotes and wolves etc place two sets that will generally be more productive than just setting one a dirt whole set with a flat set about 10 feet away is a good combination. When you are researching and looking at these animals the research is the most important that you can for trapping animals. Read, talk to fellow trappers and always look for new tips on trapping. There is always, always something to learn. The last tip we'll give is always have fun. What's the most important part of trapping? Be safe, Have fun. Let someone know where you're going and what you need to expect to return. Think about introducing a child to trapping and help pass on trapping to our future generations. After all, that's the most important thing that we can ever do. So when you start to, and again, I want to make sure that we point out, go out and do your own research. We provide these tips as just a tip. For you to start to think more about these types of things that we can use for survival, animal trapping is a very big one. It's very difficult. I have personal experience through the Marine Corps Survival School that will make me tell you that it's it's not a simple application, but it does take a lot of practice. And where I feel that we are failing our future generations is when we learn something like trapping, that we are not passing on to the future generations. So when you do pick up this skill set and you're able to go out and actually trap an animal, whatever method you use, pass that on. Pass that on to somebody. Whether you think that they might be somebody who is further along in your skill set than than you are, it's very important. Like nobody knows every, anything. Like we're all just shattered pieces of a puzzle that all individually have an answer to some sort of equation that the other one of us doesn't know. So share your knowledge. If you have trapping knowledge and you have done this many times before, drop a comment on our Facebook page like Let's Network. Let's make sure that if the shit does hit the fan, we're able to trap some animals and make sure that we survive. I have a pretty good fastball with a rock to a squirrel's head. Um, <laughs> but that is not something I would rely upon if the shit hits the fan. So make sure that um, network, 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 do your own research, drop it in the comments, make sure that you are telling us the best ways that we can all go about trapping animals because it is essential to our survival.
0: Uh, Yeah. I mean, we're talking about something that's been around for ages, right? I mean, this goes back way, way back, way back. way back, And it's something that the, you know, folks have been doing for pelts and food and and all those things. So yeah, there's probably a lot of good tips and tricks out there that we can all use. Um,
1: Hey, and I I know we've talked on previous episodes about bartering, but man $60 a coyote hide is what the bartering aspect in today's world a civilized society so it is something to be aware of that this also could be a skill that you could barter in, in the future
0: Brenna. All right, so this episode's health and wellness tip, we're going to talk about meditation. And before everybody rolls their eyes and thinks we're going to get all hippie weird, turn down the lights and light a bunch of (laughs) candles, uh, I want to dispel you of those notions. I, I, for one, um, meditate on a daily basis. It is something that I look forward to every morning when I wake up. It's not what everybody thinks. It's not... An absence or a complete clarity of your mind in fact it's quite the opposite your mind never stops racing what it what it's trying to do and what meditation tries to teach you is how to bring your mind back on track and focus on the things you want to focus on so you know find a quiet place settle into a comfortable chair Make sure that your back is somewhat straight and you're comfortable. You know, consistency is key. Make sure you're if you're going to take on a meditation practice, try to do it around the same time every day for the same amount of time, and you'll find that you're able to to hold your focus longer and longer. But start with you know two, three, one minute, two, whatever, a couple minutes. Uh, when you're getting started, just take a moment, like I said, check your posture, make sure that your back's back straight and then and, and just breathe and really focus. The, the easiest way to do it is just focus on deep, deep, deep inhales and then nice full exhales. Make sure that you're actually doing that good stomach breathing where your stomach is going out instead of your chest rising. Just note any physical tensions, any mental any mental concerns you have, where's, where's your mind going and kind of always Focus on bringing your thoughts back to center. You know, you might want to develop on your inhales and exhales a, a saying or some sort of um, thing that you constantly repeat in, in your in your mind. Um, so again, tune into your process of breathing. Feel the breath in your body. Uh, don't concern yourself with analyzing or modifying your your breathing. Just feel it, center it. Be aware of it of the uh, the ebb and the flow of your breath. Breathe in. Be aware that you're breathing in. Exhale. Be aware that you're that you're exhaling. When your mind wanders, let it go down that path and then slowly bring it back, bring it back to where you want to be. This is basically what mindfulness is. It's, it's knowing where you're at mentally and then the ability to bring it back into focus. So gently focus back in on your breath and just con- concentrate on your breath. What I do is I set, a, I set a, a five minute alarm on my phone, a five minute timer I should say, and then I just breathe in really deep, hold that breath for a couple seconds and exhale. And I have some things that I say mentally on each one of those steps that I'm not going to share with you because I want to know because it's personal. I'll tell you, I'll tell you <laughs> offline. Um, but that's it. That 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 is really is simple. Meditation is simple. People think that your mind is going to be completely blank, and it's 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 not possible. It is not possible for us to shut down our minds. But what it does do is it allows you to um, center. I do it first thing in the morning. It allows me to. Clear my mind a little bit and get the the day off to a good start, and then like it's it's practicing mindfulness, right? You do it's, this every day. Yeah, well, uh, not, I yeah, not I on the picture. weekends. Not on the weekends. Picture Ed Miyagi. I sleep sure. it on, <laughs> on the weekends.
2: You know, if if I may, sure, I meditate, I pray mm-hmm. a lot. You made a, a mention, you know, in regards to like your mind wandering. One of the things I did early on when I first started was I would keep a notepad by me. And, you know, if you have something you're focusing on or you're, you're, you're meditating on, you're praying about, it, and then like something out of left field comes. For me, that's a spiritual distraction. So you got to mow the grass later. Well, okay, write that down. Forget about it. You captured it on the paper. You know that's going to be retained in that form. Go back to what you were doing in regards to your meditation, your prayer time, whatever it is, and don't allow that to throw you off and to keep you completely off guard, but to, you know, just forge ahead. Right, and, and,
0: that's mindfulness, right? Yeah. You, you, you captured that thought. And mm-hmm. in, in, yes. in your case, you write it down and then you get back to where, what you want to be focusing on, yes. whether it's, whether it's your, your prayer or it's your, um, your breath breathing. Again.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh,
0: whether it's the things that you say internally on your inhale, your, your hold, your exhale, your hold, those types of things. Um, it's just practicing mindfulness. It's super simple. Yeah. It's not easy, but it is easy. It's 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 really weird. It's well, you know,
2: I think you you made a, a mention the misnomer. I think is people are picturing like you know David Carradine, you know, grasshopper. Right. I, I mean, it could be that if you wanted to, but I mean, for men, and I think for where we're at right now, holistically, there's a assault on our mind and our spirits in every avenue in society, and the taking the time to center ourselves is essential to living a holistically spiritually emotionally balanced well-balanced
1: life if you don't take the time to block all the shit out that we're faced with like man you're just doing a a big disservice i will tell you guys that um although i don't know that I specifically prescribe to meditation. I do take a moment of pause every day to try to block out all the noise. And it doesn't matter what you call it if you call it meditation or a pause or if you call it just centering yourself. Sure, absolutely. take, Take a moment to make sure that you have centered yourself for each day and we can block out a lot of the noise and a lot of the different stressors um, that we're faced with. And I think that gets overlooked a lot for um, a lot of men.
0: I mean, moments of clarity, right, are, are, are few and far between in today's hustle and bustle and screens and, and all that bullshit. But, you know, when you're sitting there and all you're in tune with or trying to be in tune with is your, your breathing, mm-hmm. every now and again... Bam, something just comes to you, and you're like, what Bill said, you, you have to write yeah. that shit down. <laughs> it's well, like clarity. Um, yeah. Clarity hits
1: you when yeah. you're, well, right. and, you and an and don't even. You know, like, and even um, you, if you're that.
2: thinking about it, take whatever discipline you want, whether you're looking at it from a spiritual aspect that you're trying to get balance and, and get back in touch with the Almighty, or just simply breathing is life. Like Ed was saying, there are forces that are trying to distract you from that wholeness. Take that for what you will, but any any obstacle that's going to come against you is going to come against you during that time because having the cognitive awareness to have that aha moment or that light bulb moment isn't anything that anything pure is going to want you to indulge or engage in. So.
0: Yeah, you know, I have a breathing app that I do. There's, there, I have a morning routine, and we're, we're going to talk about morning routines on our next show for the health and wellness tip, I believe. But meditation, I cannot recommend it enough, guys. Try to incorporate it into your daily practice, your daily morning practice. If you do not have a morning routine, the implementation of a morning routine will have significant, profound effects on your productivity and efficiency and your ability to function as a man, in my opinion. And uh, I challenge anybody to give it 90 days, and you'll be blown away by what a morning routine, and again, we'll go into some details on the next episode.
1: Hey, and hopefully we catch the other side of this for people like me that have a lot of trouble sleeping, but that morning routine presented to me through the military was make your bed every morning because then you've started with an accomplishment. Hopefully my wife's not listening right now, but it is something that is very helpful. So make your bed in the morning. That's step one. When you start to implement that small task into your morning routines, like holy shit, you've accomplished something without having to do anything strenuous. And then you take that victory throughout your day. Baby, I'll make the bed tomorrow. Yeah, I usually make the bed, but
0: my wife's usually still sleeping in it, and she gets pissed. All right, Tim, what do you got for uh, men of dishonor? Man of dishonor. Who do you got? You got somebody from Florida, or where's this knucklehead from? This is an
1: Ohio man. Oh, that's bullshit. There are no dishonorable men in Ohio. How dare you, sir? um, Not Northeast Ohio. (laughs) At least one. And producer Bill is right. This dude is not from Northeast Ohio, (laughs) but I'm going to read him anyway. Man suspected of having sex with a van. In a van? with a van hey the van wasn't available for comment for this story. So I'm just going to bring you talk about being all up in someone's grill. Oh Jesus. <laughs> did you make that up or did somebody actually write that? I made that part up. Oh, that's uh, but do change. Uh, oh <laughs> but I'm pump pump. Hey, a man in Dayton, Ohio is facing oh. an indecency charge after witnesses reported seeing him attempt to have sex with the front grill of a van parked on the street. Sirs responding to the call last Tuesday evening found the suspect, 35-year-old Michael Henson. Of course we're gonna say your name, brother. I don't know what you're doing. He was only wearing a pair of black shorts and black shoes. According to NBC4i.com, which cited the police report, Hanson was taken into custody and put in the back of a squad car while officers spoke to a female witness. <laughs> she said she saw Hanson pull down his shorts and then put his gentles in. Into the front grill of a red van parked on the oh, side it was of red? the road, well, it had it according then. to WDTN.com. When the suspect passed out in the front yard near the van, <laughs> the woman called police. Henson woke up and was walking before police came to the scene, according to the Dayton Daily News. Officers who questioned him said he appeared to be intoxicated. No. No way. (laughs) Police contacted the owner of the van, who allegedly said he was unaware of any incident, and he is not going to press charges for his rape victim van, which is... Normally, the rapers are in the van, I think, but Henson was booked in... The Cincinnati Public Jail on public indec- indecency charges, where he remains today on a $2,500 bond. Arraignment is next week, according to the Dayton Daily News. This happened recently. Yeah, it did. This was two weeks ago, and Michael Henson <laughs> trying to fuck a van, dude. <laughs> he was wearing Michael shorts. Henson two years ago, two weeks tried ago was December. Try to fuck <laughs> a van. Hey, I've done worse, bro. I, I actually, That edit, van had to come Edit that red. out. Edit that out. I've done a van or two in my wearing time. Wearing red. How dare that van. Actually, I've never done a red van. I like how I'm he, much I more like how it happened too. in Dayton
0: and they, they put his ass in Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah. That's not. They're, they're, they're not next to each other. Those, hey, well, for anybody who doesn't hey, know, those, man, are, those are far away from one another. You actually got to go to Cincinnati for this type yeah, of crime. We're sending you down to Cincinnati. We don't,
1: hey, we don't tolerate your uh, kind here, So Needless to say, please. And that's saying a lot from Dayton. Please do not. Have sex with the front grills on any cars, vans, SUVs. Unless unless it's a very hot fucking van, and then are there hot vans? Yeah, those ones that have the cool like airbrush. Oh yeah, art art on like the, the side. Like the A team van. <laughs> oh, the A team. Don't have God. sex with vans, man. <laughs> or like the um, dumb the van and Dumb and Dumber. I'm pretty sure it's oh, not yeah. legal from my own personal legal experience. I'm not sure how we would deal with that if I walked up and you were trying to have sex with the van. I just know you're going to jail that day. So be honorable. Don't have sex with cars. It's a very easy. Do not have tip. sex
0: with anyone or anything. Unless you have consent. Uh, And clearly the van was not consenting. The Van was like vroom, vroom. and like the grill of all ah, places. I can the think grill. of I can think of the grill. I can't wow. think of any other places. On yeah, the stop, That's hey, a good place. This stop. was um, really.
1: exceptionally a surprise to my co-hosts here, so I was interested in their replies. I'm thankful that none of my friends have sex with cars or vans coitus, or SUVs. Coitus in an Astrovan. Coitus to the Astrovan. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> I don't know where we're at on this. Either way. Let's not fuck cars, vans, SUVs. Be honorable. No means no. Get consent. Even if it's a van or an SUV or a passenger van. Hey, even if you're doing a bus, go out and get consent. That's gross, man. All right. All right. uh, (laughs) I don't even... I got... got, Edit all of that. I got another Please.
0: All right. This week's call to action is to arm yourself. And I'm not just talking about with weapons and ammunition and and, uh, those types of things, guys. I'm talking about arming yourself mentally, physically, develop skills. Get yourself in shape. Get ready for whatever might be around the corner. We need to arm ourselves and be ready to defend what is ours, defend our family, defend those folks that can't defend themselves. Arm yourself. Arm yourself with the knowledge that you might need in case shit does hit the fan. Arm yourself spiritually. Arm yourself, again, mentally, physically. Get ready to fight the forces of evil, those types of things, and just become an honorable man and arm yourself, guys. Guys, thoughts?
2: There's a verse in the Bible that's been sticking out in my head lately. It's uh, in Hosea. It says, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. And I think you're talking about all these things to store for SHTF situations, uh, you know, things like this. Uh, The best thing you can store, I think, uh, and when I was growing up, this was something that was huge, is a mind is a terrible thing to waste. So if you can acquire knowledge, if you can acquire skills, obviously we're we're talking holistically in a lot of things in this podcast. So I I would say, as I have been saying, you know, get right with God, read the Constitution, prepare yourself. My personal prediction for
1: 2022 is... Pain, but nonetheless. <laughs> Pain. Hey, so um, I think we're next tossing to our sponsor, which happens to be PatchOps and PatchOps.com. So I'm going to use this brief moment to cite this Bible verse that we actually have a patch of so it's called the armor of God finally be strong in the Lord and is in his mighty power put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes for our struggle is not against flesh and blood But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day comes of evil, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Hey, search that shit on Patch Ops and PatchOps.com. The Armor of God, we make that patch. It's very important to me. Look up General Flynn, where that all came from, and the Armor of God. Patchops, PatchOps.com, we're proud sponsors. We don't do this just for show. It's something that we believe in. We have the baddest patches and decals on the planet. Soon to have shirts that will even fit. Producer Bill. <laughs> 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 wow. Soon, soon,
2: soon.
0: I don't, I don't. Thanks. If I
1: didn't love you as much as I, I do, I don't know how I would take that I comment. Thanks, Tim. He champ. needs a spandex size S M. So.
0: Yeah, well, okay. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, PatchOps.com. PatchOps, PatchOps.com. Bill, do you got anything to plug?
1: Uh, Pick up a copy of my book, Smith's Art of Man Repair Manual. Link will be below hey. on Amazon. Chris Tonto Pronto has a copy of this dude's book. Really? Um, you should, wow. too.
2: Uh, and then give a give our podcast, uh, Flawcast, Flawcast CLE, anywhere Flawedcast. you can listen to podcasts. Give us a listen. Uh, subscribe. And we are you know working with these guys. We're hopefully doing some cross-promotion here. And they've been guests on our show. Very, very well-received. And,
0: yeah, so my book podcast, all Do that stuff, it. That, uh, all that, Do stuff it. that contact info, all the articles that we referenced today will be in the show notes. Uh, guys, the world needs honorable men more than ever. It's time to get out there, step up, get involved, and be honorable. We will see you next week. Thank you. Gangster.